When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hooky religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I am your host, Ryan Key. And we have a guest host because Nick now is dead, fell off a cliff, died on impact. <laughs> Again. Again. I'm the only one that hasn't died multiple times. You're the only one who's never died. I'm a vampire. Different genre, but, you know, right? relevant somehow. You've never died. It's true. That's crazy. Uh, my hair's like this or something. It's crazy. <laughs> um, our guest host is friend of the pod, longtime friend of William Ryan Key, Charles Beecham. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? Hey, dude. Thanks for having me. Welcome back with your fancy new microphone. Yeah. <laughs> this is brand new. I got it just for you. How's New York? Uh, New York's amazing. You happy to be back? I, I can't even tell you how amazing it is to be back in New York City. Oh, I love that. You know I love New York, so yeah, a little jealous. You well, you can come visit. I know anytime. I know if there was just some world where I could live in New York City, but it just doesn't. The space and stuff I need for work and all that just it ain't in happening. The world, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, uh, you may remember or maybe not. Charles Beecham was on with another friend of the pod, another longtime friend of William Ryan Key. Heather Antos, because Charles and Heather worked at Marvel together on Star Wars. That's right. We did. Yeah. Uh, and it was good times. Star Wars comics all day. They're the best. That sounds fun. Cool job, I guess, probably. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it was all right. Yeah. It was, no, it was the best job. It was so great. Dude, you know what I think about all the time is in the episode where we had you two on talking about um, when you got the job and you told your dad... And you were like in tears, basically like, Dad, I'm working on Star Wars. That just like resonates so much with me. And that, that moment sticks out the most out of that episode. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think about that moment all the time and, and wonder, I mean, Heather, as you guys know, is back working on Star Wars books again. Mm -hmm. And I think about that moment all the time and go, when am I going to get back working on a galaxy far, far away? It's going to happen. It's going to happen one day. Mark my words. You heard it here first, guys. I'm going to do it again one day. Well, I mean, you did get back in to thank the maker, so. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and you guys have had some big, big names in the Star Wars verse here. It's wild. Um, Isn't it recently. wild? It blows my mind, dude. It's pretty yeah. crazy, man. We're real. I mean, We're a real podcast. It's amazing. We'll catch up for the listeners at the end on what you have going on now. But at this very moment, we should talk about the Bad Batch because um, we're Two-thirds of the way through the season, I guess, right? Yeah. Home stretch. Season one, episode 10, Common Ground. Let's get into the deets. What have you done with those plans? The Bad Batch, season one, episode 10, Common Ground, released July 2nd, 2021, Disney Plus, directed by Saul Ruiz, who is familiar, of course, veteran, tons of episodes of The Clone Wars, Rebels, all the stuff. Written by Gerson Ron Sandu, she was a staff writer on Game of Thrones, a popular television program that I'm uh, not familiar with personally. Dum, dum, da, da, dum, dum, da, dum, dum. She also wrote episode two of The Bad Batch. So He doesn't do dragons, people. He doesn't do dragons. That's not my stuff. I, I'd be able to recommend it more if, you know, you guys know. Everybody knows. Everybody knows what I'm about to say. There's just like, I'm not going to get you to start on the greatest show of all time. I say that with the same stress that I say this greatest Sith Lord of all time. Like, it's like that. <laughs> And then all of the sudden, it's not anymore. Yeah, that's... Don't you love Harry Potter, Adam? I really love and respect Harry Potter, but there's just something about it. Like, it's not dragons, it's magic. Okay. That's what I can't f*** with, really. Because when you bring magic in, there are no more rules to the universe. It's just like, oh, just throw in another spell to make this plot work, whatever. It's like, yeah, but all of a sudden, time travel came into Harry Potter, like, f three, four movies in. And I was like, What? I love this. Why you got to put in time travel? Okay. You know I mean? Well, we're, we're way off topic from Bad Batch <laughs> yeah. episode 10, but 
the magic in Game of Thrones is pretty unique and specific to those that can wield it. And it can't like change or affect the entire universe as you call it. Yeah. And you either have to like get super wasted on, on some special root, you know, that you eat or chew on your whole life, <laughs> or you have to study to be a master, like a Jedi, basically. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the house mm-hmm. of the undying, all that, that's totally taken from the whole Jedi thing. Like, I don't know. Dude, I'm just a science nerd and I need technology and shit. I still think you would love it, but the final season is such a dumpster fire that I can't, <laughs> I can't suggest you to waste your time getting to the end. Yeah. I just can't. I, I, I we'll get back to Star Wars, but I started it <laughs> in the pandemic again. And I was like, this is so good that I'm not going to watch it because <laughs> I know where it goes. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sit through all of this amazingness to have all of my hopes and dreams shattered and burned at the stake like they were in real time. So anyways, moving on. Well, you know who hasn't really shattered any of your hopes or dreams is uh, the guest cast on, on this episode. Alexander, no. Alexander Siddig as Senator Singh. I'm familiar with this person as uh, Dr. Bashir on Deep Space Nine. That's Star Trek. That's not Star Wars. Sorry. Also, he was on Game of Thrones. Doran. Doran. Who is this? Yeah, Doran Martell. Doran Martell. He's a very important prince in Dorne. You know, the prince of Dorne. He's the king of Dorne, actually. He's the king. And then he was on Peaky Blinders as well. Ryan, I know you're a fan of that. Oh, yeah. Do you remember him from this? I I knew. It was one of those voices where I was watching the episode this week, and I was like, I know who that is. And then it popped in my head. I don't know his name as an actor, but I I when it popped in my head, I was like, that's who it is. Has to be. He's dope. And then when we did the little after show reaction, we looked it up, and I was like, "Mm, raise a Palpatine. I'm right. You know? (laughs) Nice. I like being right. And then uh, Sean Clifford, who, who... Played the, or did the voice of the GS8 droid, the senator's assistant. She played the character of Claire in Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's sister. What a show. In that show. show. She's awesome. What a great show. I just, seeing that on the notes, I was just like, oh, that's where, because the whole episode, I was like, why do I know? Is this Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Like, who is this? Like, I, and there it is. That's such a good show. Yeah. There's so many little, like, connections to other Star Wars stuff and, things outside of Star Wars and co-stars and other things in this episode specifically. It's kind of funny. Also, Shelby Young plays Captain Bragg. She's the voice of Princess Leia in Forces of Destiny. She's also credited for, quote, additional voices in three Mandalorian episodes. I learned that today. She's dope. She's a fun follow on social media. She does random voices and shit all the time. She's hella energy. 27-minute runtime on this one. Disney Plus description, the Bad Batch have their ideology challenged. I can mess with that description that's pretty good that's a little it's a little more honed in than some of the more recent ones the bad batch have a problem the The bad bad batch batch fly fly in a spaceship yeah yeah Yeah. overall though first impressions what'd you guys think did you enjoy this this star war yes i had a good time i honestly uh as i was watching it i kept thinking like this is just like classic clone trooper hijinks that you'd get from yeah. from an episode of the clone wars right like mm-hmm. uh it's just the group off doing doing a rescue mission but they threw in that added level of uh dissonance of oh we really don't like who we're gonna go rescue today yeah i, I think i enjoyed the episode i'm really enjoying these like kind of action-packed uh, episodes that are moving the story forward and not these super side missions like clearly mm-hmm. the senator is connected to Sid and you know is like important in in some way and has been important historically with the separatist movement I'm enjoying these kind of the episodes that are are not just the bad batch doing something you know that isn't really connected to what we're learning about Omega what we're learning about the empire Uh, I love all these little subtle developments within the empire showing us how the empire came to be how they sort of started to impose their will on on systems all over the galaxy and most importantly, though, my takeaway from this episode was this just kind of little little piece of information that they they dropped a couple times furthering Omega's story and like her abilities, if you will, yeah. playing the hollow chess. It was it was mentioned more than once that she has talent that's like never been seen before. Her skill is on another level that can't be matched, you know, and I think we're just honing in closer and closer to it's not just about that DNA that they want, you know, on Kamino. Yeah. It's more than that. We don't, yeah. we don't know what it is yet, but it's something more than that. Dude, she's homegirl from the Queen's Gambit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> she, she sees the pieces on the ceiling. Dude, I still think there's maybe something to the force sensitivity. And I, I, I just, I think. 
uh, I mean, That'd I don't know. She gets so good at everything so fast, you yeah. know, and she knows things before other people know them. And she's not moving stuff with her mind yet, but she, I don't, you know, how would she know that that's even an option? Right. You know? Yeah. The other thing about her that was so dope about this is that I just thought it was like such a clever, cool way to show her worth and show that she's really a part of the team rather than saying, oh, you're a part of the team now. It was the moment where Hunter was like, Omega, go get the so-and-so, do yeah. whatever, like yeah. on a mission. And Tech was like, uh, that's weird because she's not here, bro. Right. She's just so much a part of the team. It's just, you know what I mean? She's right there on the tip of everybody's mind. And that was just such a cooler way to show that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, there were. I mean, there were some some really great moments with Omega in this. One of my, I, I talk about my kids uh, all the time. Uh, sorry, guys. That's okay. Uh, but like for me, there was that that uh, huge dad moment for me was when they got back from the mission, right? And Hunter is immediately laying into her, like, "Hey, like I told you to lay low. You did the opposite of that. Like, what, yeah, yeah. what's going on, right?" And she's like, "I just wanted to help." And then Sid's immediately like, "Yeah, dude, she." Uh, she kicked ass. Like she yeah. did your job, you know, the job that you guys have been dinking around trying to do for months. Like yeah. she took care of it. And I feel like I, I felt that so hard uh, as a dad to two little girls. I'm always like, guys, stop doing that thing. And they're like, dude, like we're just taking care of business. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we're, we're taking care of business. Get out of our way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a cool, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you, Hunter. I think there was something in this episode too, between Sid and Omega that's important. I think we've talked about on the show even though we don't speculate, but when we speculate every single week as we're not speculating about what's going to happen down the road here, there's definitely been mention of what's Sid's role going to be. Is she going to stab him in the back? You yeah, know, be- yeah. it, because someone's going to come off her more money or something for Omega. But I think this week was really important for her seeing what, you know, seeing something in Omega, really realizing she's special. You can already tell, like, Sid's got a heart in there. You know, she, they wouldn't have kept her on the, on the show for so long in so many episodes if she wasn't going to play some type of really crucial role in all of this at some point. And I think, I don't who knows? Again, not speculating, but, you know, if when the Empire blasts into her cantina or whatever, she's, she's not just going to give Omega up. I, th- I think they, they established more of a relationship between the two of them for a reason this week. Dude, she's fully playing Carla from Cheers in Star Wars, like <laughs> in, in that exact sense. Like, yes. Yeah, she's abrasive and shit, but she's got a heart in there, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, last thing I'll say, first impressions, it's just like every episode, there's something that's visually so beautiful that makes me just, it makes me want to be an animator, like a CG artist. I'm just like, God, this is so sick. You know what I mean? It's like they're not trying to go photo real, but it's so textured and and just beautiful. I don't know what other word to use. It like helps the emotional connection. It helps uh, your, your suspension of disbelief because it just brings you in. I don't know. Maybe I'm an art nerd. I'm like a, you know, a CG film nerd, but dude, I'm about it. All right, let's get into a quick synopsis and then the other stuff. We open on the planet Raxus, the former center of the Separatist government. The Empire has since occupied the planet since the end of the war. The end of the wars. They're trying to impose a curfew. It's very like V for Vendetta style out there. Mm -hmm. And the senator, the Separatist senator Singh, he's sort of up on a balcony in front of a crowd of people being forced to make a public announcement that they're going to impose this curfew and there are all these new rules and but he has a change of heart when he gets up there and defies the empire in front of everyone, tells the crowd, no, they're being forced. They, he cannot bend to the will of the empire and they immediately, they arrest him. The troopers come in. He kind of had the change of heart. Almost. He kind of knew he was going to do it. Didn't, didn't he mention something to GS8 before he goes out there where he's like, yeah, yeah. watch whatever happens to me, execute the protocol, you know, or make the call kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like he had to like muster up the courage to actually do it because he knew. It was wrong. Obviously, he's a separatist. He didn't want to follow. He didn't want to fall in line with the Republic. He's definitely not wanting to fall in line with the Empire. So they arrest him. They detain him. The droid then goes and sends out a call for rescue, which Sid receives on Ord Mantel. She tells the Bat Batch as they walk in, I've got a new mission. You need to go extract this separatist senator. And Hunter is not about that stuff. Of course. I mean, you know, they've been, they fought the separatists the whole time. That was their, that was their thing. So he's got a conflict there, but he's also concerned about taking Omega to a planet 
that's just swarming with Imperials. It's unsafe. He's in dad mode. So he kind of pulls Sid to the side and says, no, we can't do this. Well, I can't take Omega there. She says, okay, we'll just leave her here. I'll take care of her. There's a little bit of back and forth, but he ends up leaving her there. I like how we all just accept Sid continually telling them that their debt isn't repaid is enough to keep the the whole group of them from (laughs) just being like, fine. (laughs) Like, like, oh, well, I know we gotta, we gotta go get you that money back. (laughs) I I think, you know, I had, I had that same thought and, and I don't know, headcanon, the, the, the thing for me that makes that have some weight is that she's so well connected Right. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. and she's like, she's like a boss, like a, like the antithesis of Moz, right? Like, like she's right. the, the seedier version of Moz, right? Yeah. yeah. And if she doesn't show up or if she doesn't check in, people are going to come looking yeah. You know? yeah. and, and people are going to tell tale. Yeah. Or sh- she can just make a call and be like, Omega's here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, Hey, I know someone's looking for this kid. I don't know who, but just put the feelers out. They're here. You know? Yeah. I mean, that works. So they're they're having to lay low so much as it is. Yeah, if they blasted her ass, they would be fully screwed. So therefore, they do have to go do this mission that they don't want to do. Right. So they leave Omega, they head out. And in the meantime, Omega, we'll see this later, gets into playing Dejaric, the hollow chess, with the locals. And uh, she's a shark, dude, like we talked about earlier. It's a very, like, uh, strategy intuition kind of thing for her remember the moment where she's sitting at the bar like scrubbing and i'd have to watch it again to see if she even looks over there maybe she does maybe she doesn't but again playing into my theorizing on my own in my head she's like scrubbing the bar and just goes i wouldn't do that yeah does she look over there and see the button she's about to push i don't remember i'd have to watch it again but either way like something's going on in that little brain yeah that was so that moment, I'm pretty sure, like the 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 way that they cut those that scene is like they did a close up on uh, Sid's finger above mm-hmm. the button, right? Mm-hmm. And then they cut to Omega turning around and saying, "Like I wouldn't do." Like in that moment, so like yeah. you see Omega turn around after you see Sid's finger hovering over the button. Yeah. So it could be either. Yeah. It could be either. She could have spun around and seen it, or she could be spinning around because she sensed yes. it i mean yeah. there's something going on there dude regardless it's just it's dope and I, it makes me wonder did the writers of this watch the queen's gambit like i'm just really <laughs> hung up on that right now i don't know? know but great program yeah yeah wonderful television dude never in my life would i expect to watch chess and be like fully on the edge of my seat oh dude Suspense. it was so good I, like, I, I watched i almost watched the whole thing in one sitting it's it's so good all right back on raxis Captain Bragg is interrogating Senator Singh with a really familiar droid. The Bad Batch busts in. They stun everybody. They bail with the senator. I'm, I'm really kind of condensing this here. It's the beginning of the stun episode, yeah. right? Are you all on that same page with me? It's like... Stun fest, yeah. Just yeah. ring after ring after ring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely set to stun. They commandeer a walker. They escape through sort of these uh, catacombs in the city. It lets out somewhere like outside the city in the woods. The senator ends up leaving with the Bad Batch, leaving the planet reluctantly because he's like, man, I can't just leave my people here. But ultimately they tell him like- I, I think it's the droid that's like saying you can't, you know, you, you, ha- you can't help them if you're dead kind of thing. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember if it was Echo or Hunter that said live to fight another day. I think, I'm pretty sure yeah. it was Echo, which was really cool to me because, yeah. we, I mean, we all know his history with mm-hmm. with the Separatists and, and they underlined several times with Echo being like, I don't trust these guys in this episode, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't want to be here. Why are we doing this? They're going to stab mm-hmm. us in the back. And for him to say, like, you got to live to fight another day, I, I thought that was pretty dope. Oh, yeah. Also, Adam, to your point of like there being something in each episode that's just so visually stunning, that whole forest scene was Mm. just so awesome. Yeah. Which I love thinking that because nothing's happening in that scene. They're not fighting. There's no no adventure. They're just walking. But like I remember being stunned by how gorgeous that landscape was and that animation was. That, That was that scene in this episode for me. Even just the opening shot, the big wide establishing shot of the city on the planet was like, it's like a painting, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. beautiful. So they leave the planet. They go back to Ord Mantel. They find Omega there hustling the living shit out of the Dejaric table. <laughs> Just color of money. Yeah. Everybody, you know, crowd, everybody cheering. 
turns out, like we said before, she won enough money to pay off their debt. And then the episode closes with kind of like a heart to heart between Hunter and Omega. Hunter says, one match, let's, let's do this. Let's play. And if she wins, he won't make her sit out any more missions. And dude, it's the queen's gambit. They end at the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's play, you know? Except she's not high on death sticks <laughs> or spice. We don't know what happened between scenes. Yeah. <laughs> she hit that, that spice. She's in that seedy, that seedy cantina. She could definitely be hitting some spice on the side. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's discuss a little bit before we get into a certain point of view. I actually have nothing, so we'll go straight to the den after this. But um, something I thought was interesting, the title Common Ground was good and fitting. I feel like like half of the titles of these episodes have been kind of throwaways, but Common Ground I thought was good because it kind of refers to, I mean, it seems to directly refer to finding common ground between what the Bad Batch feel is, how do I articulate this? You know what I'm trying to say here. Finding a common purpose with the separatists. That's something they never thought could be possible. Exactly. And and I think it works on, on a few levels, right? Like there's that one, uh, the Bad Batch as these soldiers of the Republic finding common ground with the separatists, right? There was Omega and Hunter having to come to that place of balance of common ground of like, yep. hey, I'm part of the team. I need to be here. And Hunter recognizing for himself, you know, that moment that you called out, Adam, of him being like, Omega, you you go and do this thing, right? And oh, right, right. she's not here, dude. Yeah. Uh, like that was a, a place of common ground that they had to come to, right? Omega and Sid having that moment that they had of, yeah, yeah. hey, you have to stand up for yourself, you know, quit whining about life not being fair and do something about it. Right. You want them to respect you, show them that you need to, you know, that you need respect, right? Like, yeah. I think it worked on a lot of levels. Are you a writer? I am. <laughs> you should try <laughs> writing. You should try, you know, editing things. <laughs> Do you understand story uh, and complex uh, I try. exposition? <laughs> I, I tell you what, like I really appreciated this title uh, over the last one, which was like the bounty lost or the lost bounty or something. I yeah. was like, oh, okay. So wasn't the one with, with uh, crosshair like called reunited or something like that? Reunion. 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 Yeah. yeah. yeah they're, they're, synopsis and titles we gotta level up guys yeah. <laughs> it's like they just have like an intern that they throw on that ship like you know <laughs> gary the intern's like uh reunion i think <laughs> we'll see because he's been gone and he's coming back and so they're they're reunited so so reunion it, it's, it's a reunion, reunion. <laughs> hey everyone who works on star wars we love you it's a union again no, no see so they lost they lost the bounty so 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 it's bounty lost <laughs> oh, it's cryptic right yeah gary we get it <laughs> um also what I, what i thought was great here this reinforcing what the clone wars has done to give us a different side of the separatists the prequel trilogy we, we pretty much just saw dooku and the kind of big business war profiteers, like the Trade Federation and those folks, those were the separatists in the, in the films. But in the Bad Batch and in the Clone Wars, we're seeing it's a lot of just planets and just people who just don't want to mess with the Republic. They want to be independent. They want their own liberty and independence as individuals, as you know, separate systems, whatever. And that's so much more interesting to me. So this furthers that. And I think we're going to just see more and more of it, how the vast majority of the separatists become part of the rebellion, I would expect. Right. And the coolest part about that to me is that the Bad Batch, you know, going back to the title, they're seeing this whole master plan kind of, they're, they're peeling back the layers of the onion and realizing, oh, well, we were all manipulated. We were all kind of screwed in this damn fool idealistic crusade, you know? Yeah. So that moment where Senator, Senator Singh when he stopped right short of getting on the ship and he was like, I got to go back. Like, what am I doing? I can't like, I I couldn't help but like think about how this period of time, the galaxy is just in this, this really cool ebb and flow of the, the balance of the force thing, right? Like Palpatine engineering everything that he did to create the empire. And and we're not even like in the worst of it yet at this time. Right. But like, I mean, I have to assume he didn't realize like that was the thing that was going to awaken kind of these people who were kind of not aware 
to the bad stuff happening in the galaxy, right? Like yeah. this, this planet, uh, the, the separatists, while they were being puppeteered by Dooku and, and Palpatine and, and, and all that, like they went along with it because it's like, oh, selfish, you know, this is, this is in our interest and we want, we want to be independent. But that was the catalyst for someone like Senator Singh to go, ah, no, like I got to take care of my people. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I got to stand up to this because this is, this is actual tyranny, right? The Republic got things wrong, but this is, this is even worse. Yeah. And it's, it's the age old trope of like trading one master for another, you know, yeah. like how many films is that line in? Like, I see you've traded one master for another, you know, that's mm-hmm. like, that's a line of dialogue that's been in, in more than one, you know, film and TV show or whatever. So it's that idea that not necessarily like the lesser of two evils, but it's it's almost like it's just, no, we're, we can't do this anymore. This is worse than what we had before, you know, and, and we, we've fought all this time to get here and now it's even worse. So, yeah, like you say, you say the lesser of two evils and I, and I went like it's 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 the like the greater good, right? Like we can't be separatists, right? If you're doing nothing right? Then, then you're actually siding with the evil, right? And mm-hmm. that's, and that yeah. was kind of the moment that, that it looks like, or that I, I saw Senator Singh having is like, silence is violence. Yeah, exactly. Silence is violence, right? Like we can't just sit on our hands. We have to be a part of this. It's dope, dude. And it's the kind of thing that makes me hope and pray that this is like another seven seasons worth of stuff, you know, to really fill in the blank. You know what I mean? I, I know like so many people kind of complain about we just want something completely disconnected from the Skywalker saga. We want stuff that has nothing to do with what we've already seen. But I like this kind of filling in the blanks because this is separated. This is taking us yeah. like to a more personal level at a different place. And it's it's so interesting to me. So I hope it just goes for years and years. I mean, they've already, by bringing Rex in instead of Ahsoka, you know, when we did our yeah. little research on the cloak that was exactly the same. And we're like, it's, it's got it's Ahsoka. It's got to be, you know, it's the same exact cloak she's wearing. But- this is to me much more about the struggle between what will be the rebellion, you know, and the empire and Omega, the Bad Bash. It's all that's all tools to like show us this development, you know, show us how this story evolves and how the empire becomes what what they're going to become. As as Charles said, we're not even in the worst of it yet, you know. I also can't help but feel there's there's some real like they're they're intentionally pulling in characters from uh from the mandalorian right and yep. and you have obviously uh omega's connection to boba and to Django, and yep. the sky's the limit on on the cool things that they could do there again not speculating but like why bring in those characters right why mm-hmm. focus on someone who's so closely tied to this character that we're all stoked to see, you know, what happens with the book of Boba Fett. Dude, okay. We got to hit the brakes on the speculation. Sorry. But <laughs> just because you know this universe so well and you've been on the other side, next episode for our reaction thing when we actually do speculate for patrons, you should hang with us. I'm there. Let's do it. I like that. A couple more things before we get into the Den of Antiquities. It's awesome. Just a little bit looking at Echo's face his reaction, everything when they're getting given the mission by Sid. He hates the Separatists not just because they were the clone's main enemy, but also because they captured him. I mean, the reason he is the way he is is from that that whole thing. So he's like the stakes are extra high for him. It's interesting in a way that he wasn't more vocal in this episode, but I mean, you can, you still feel it. You know what I mean? Hunter, there was a moment, right, where Hunter very, like, very sharply, very pointedly said to Echo, like, shut up, this is the job, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you look at someone like like Echo, different from everyone else in the Bad Batch, like, he is the good soldier. Like, he's he's a member of the Bad Batch because of the Separatists, right? Yeah, yeah. And they made him different. But like he is the epitome of a good soldier. That's who he was, you know, before the separatists got a hold of him. And you can even hear it in the way that D. Baker voices him. Yeah. He's the most straight up soldierly in his voice. You know, mm-hmm. it's well done. That just uh, sorry, the just the thought about Hunter uh, again. Like it's really again with the bad batch and them being like the you know we break the rules and we do things our own way. You know, and it's it's been interesting to watch Hunter become you know, the commander right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in this different way, like, okay, we're rogue and there's got to be a chain of command here. We're out on our own. There's got to be a chain of command and to become dad, right? Like to become yeah. like, guys, you, you just got to do what I say, you know, do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
last thing in the list here. Um, well, two things. One, we talked about how they're using the stun setting all over the place. They clearly don't want to kill the other clones. They're feeling that. We haven't, they haven't spoken about it directly, but we're seeing visual indicators of that. Hopefully, that'll be part of the conversation moving forward. And lastly, now that they're no longer in debt to Sid, this is speculation, but where do they go? Like, where does it go from here? This is kind of a turning point. Well, I think the Omega thing gets kicked into high gear here. Omega. Omega. The Omega story <laughs> gets, gets really elevated here. High like, gear. Kicked into high gear. Again, we're sorry. Just there. <laughs> right there. I saw it just there when it kicked into high gear. When she said, <laughs> I'm a when idiot. she, when, when, when Wrecker asks, when Rika asks her how the mix is and she says better than ever, just all time. Better than Eva. <laughs> better like, than Eva. Best line <laughs> yes. for someone with an accent from New Zealand to say ever on television. Better than Eva. Better than Eva. All right. God, <laughs> butchers. Yep, butchers of language. So we say farewell to all of our fans in Australia and New Zealand. We thank you for being a part of the pod for so long. <laughs> thank you for your support. It is the dark secret. Oh gosh. It's a The den of antiquities. <laughs> Welcome. We're talking about little nuggets, little Easter eggs, details, deep cuts. B-sides. First thing, um, we, we should have mentioned this early on, but in Sid's bar, the drink dispensers are made of IG droid heads just like the ones in the most Isley Cantina. And Oga's Cantina as well. Yeah. Is that just a thing to do if you're in a CDS place? You like you take an assassin droid and put their head on the bar? <laughs> I don't know. It's like having deer heads on, on the wall. I'd like to join you in one of those those CD places for a cocktail soon. How about August? Sure. Lit. The Weequay and the Ithorian dudes in the bar, they're regulars. They've been in like four episodes. So, if Carla from Cheers is the bartender, these dudes are definitely Norman Cliff. <laughs> right? They, they have to be. Totally. This is on purpose. Totally. I love that. Uh. Um, <laughs> the planet Raxus, that's the, the focal point of this episode, uh, we first see in the Clone Wars Season 3, Episode 10, Heroes on Both Sides. The cool part about that episode is it kind of explains the line from the opening crawl of Revenge of the Sith, quote, there are heroes on both sides. That's kind of the introduction of this idea that the Separatists aren't all just Dooku and, you know, bad war profiteer assholes. They're normal people. So this planet is a big deal. When the Bad Batch arrive at Raxus, two ships greet them. Mm -hmm. This is a generous air quote, greet them, that pull up on them. They're like, yo, what are you doing here? Let me get your, your code, whatever. What is it? Your landing code, right? Mm -hmm. It's very reminiscent. This is Nick's note here. Very reminiscent of the Empire Strikes Back when they show up on Bespin. The orange, you know, the little sidecar looking ships mm -hmm. show up either side of the Falcon. And they're like, yo, what the hell are you doing here? I'm trying to reach Lando Calrissian. <laughs> yeah. God, I love that movie. Such a, like a classic Han moment, dude. Like, I don't know. I don't know my password. What? I just, I don't He's have. so mad. Yeah. He's so mad. I don't have time for this. You know how many passwords <laughs> I have to remember? You know how many codes I got to keep track of? It's like, where's, where's the boss? Where's Lando? Yeah. I know this dude. Why don't you just bring him out here? You know Lando. I know Lando. Han <laughs> trying to get into a club in Hollywood. <laughs> Listen. Uh, the, the main droid in this episode, GS8, is the same model as the RA7 protocol droid that we first meet in the Jawa crawler at the beginning of a new hope. The one in the, in the crawler, <laughs> totally different vibe. Not a good dude. <laughs> that one. Um, Captain Bragg, when torturing Senator Singh in that wine cellar, which is a hell of a place to, to get tortured. Like, yeah. Come on down here. Have some vino or whatever you've been saving. I'm going to torture you now. That's the same floating Imperial torture droid that we see used on Leia at the beginning of A New Hope, and then brought back for the first time, right? First time ever in Mando since then, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think there was anything in the interim, unless it was in comics and stuff. Did we see an interrogation droid in, in Clone Wars at all? No, because that's Imperial era. I don't era. think so, and I'm trying to think if this is like... Yeah, it's like, like a new Imperial thing. The way that they framed it, it felt like like 
they were introducing it canonically, right? Like this is the first time, right? you know, if you're watching oh, everything yeah. on the timeline, right? Yeah. This is the first time you're going to see it. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Check out this new gadget. It's going to stab you <laughs> with juice. Needles. <laughs> so many needles. Uh, and lastly, little nugget that I love. The Imperials seem to all be using now the sort of cylindrical comlinks like we saw in 1977, you know, 3PO with the, like the, the sandwich hand, you know, or he's 3PO, holding... where could he be? Exactly. Uh, but the Bad Batch are still using the prequel trilogy comms that made from the old nineties women's razor, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Qui-Gon had. Yes. So we're seeing that transition there. That, I'm, ne- I'm never letting that go, man. Unapologetically a razor, dude. Did I tell you guys that like my mom had those? Like, and dude, I was my a kid. mom too. I, I, like, I was a kid when that came out though, right? So like yeah. I played with her razor because I was like, oh, this is the thing. Like, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's dope. Ugh. Yeah. I, Good times. I think by the time the movies came out, I think I was moved out by then. But I remember thinking like, dude, that shit was in my shower. <laughs> I should have just grabbed one and saved it, but I didn't. I blew it. All right. Let's be done with that and talk about our favorite stuff. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite moments, favorite quotes. You guys have a favorite moment or a favorite scene you want to talk about? Man, this one's tough. It's like, for me, I talked about it at the top of the show. It's like a sentiment kind of is my favorite thing about the episode whatever's going on with omega i'm so into it and i'm so ready to know what's really there and i think this week i could be wrong but i think this week was uh for me encouraging my speculation that it's that again it's more than just the dna you know or 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 they want the dna for more than just the original chain code for the for the clones you know dino dna is that what you would call it chain code the original like the dna that they want it's for more of a reason than just wanting like original clone dna as we've said as genetic material yeah yeah so maybe not but i just think that they keep dropping these little easter eggs of how skilled she is for a reason uh, so Nala say the Kaminoan who kind of raised Omega, you know, kind of feeding back into to Ryan's theory here. Like it, it seems like she knows something else about about Omega, right? Like it's not just this genetic material thing. It's like yes, like she yes. she has this connection to her, and she sees something else in Omega, and she's like, I can't let the you know the interests of Kamino or the Prime Minister here. Out, like that doesn't outweigh Omega's in, innate inherent value. And I have to protect her from anyone who would do her harm. If you want to cross the streams here, you would say the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd bring in uh, James T. Kirk right there to flip Spock. So, yeah, I mean, it's picking a favorite scene or moment in this. I really enjoyed the the Walker battle. I did. I thought that was really cool seeing a kind of early version of the walker as we, you know, because those walkers are the same ones that the clones have been using in Clone Wars. Yeah, the six leg, yeah. The ones that were coming down the bridge in in the end and like in that battle where Anakin just stands up and is like, what's the problem? (laughs) You know? Um, A-T-T-E? Yeah, so, but but seeing them in in action like that, I don't, was never, that, that, they were always sort of just like walking forward, you know, menacing like row of them. This was like cool seeing them turn down all the streets and tactically like firing on each other with the cannons and everything. So that was really cool. But I don't know, I think in some of these episodes, I have to be a little, find different things to find as favorites because they're 20 minutes long. Long. Some of them don't have a whole lot of meat on the bones. They're just fun to watch. So I think for me, my my favorite is sort of that uh, another little, as I say, Easter egg about about uh, Omega's relevance uh, in the story. You know, Omega's place in the story. Whatever it is, we're gonna find out about her beyond just the basic. We need her DNA. I liked that a lot in this episode. Yeah. And also, again, the the forest scene. Uh, I know not a lot happening there, but from a visual standpoint. I, I really remember being like, whoa, could have been the edible, but either way I was like, <laughs> this looks amazing. So I, I really, really thought that was, that was well done from, from an animation standpoint, just the, the landscapes and, and stuff there, the scenes they're creating in this show are just next level. It's, it's so rad. So yeah, you guys go now, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I shared, uh, the, the one that, that I think was the most impactful for me or was, was the, when, uh, when they return and Omega's like 
Hey, like I did the thing. Aren't you proud, Dad? And he's like, No, like you were supposed to mm-hmm. you were supposed to lay low. What are you doing? And she's like, This but is I did the, the opposite thing. of that. Yeah, yeah. but I did yeah. the thing. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really cool moment. You, you know, when when we were doing first impressions and I said like I felt like this was kind of classic clone trooper hijinks, you know. Um, I did find myself thinking back now, like I, I found myself a lot like okay, when are we going to get back to Omega? Like what's going on with her? And, and yep. because you kind of know how the story plays out when the, when the clones go to do a thing, it's, they're either going to save the guy and it's going to be good or they're going to get double crossed. And I want to know, like, how is she going to deal with what's happening with her emotionally and, and getting stuck there? So that, you know, I, that, that's probably my favorite thing, even more than the, the bigger picture of what's going on with her DNA. It's the, mm-hmm. what's my place here and kind of figuring that out. Emo kid. Dad vibes. Dad vibes, but emo kid is this really? Yeah. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> you have both of those. Yeah, <laughs> in you. That's a hell of a concoction. Hell of a recipe. So of vibes. So my kids, when we're listening to any music, they always ask, like, Dad, where, what's this song from? Because for them, music all comes from movies. And I, whenever it's anything from my playlists, it's uh, it's just music from a sad boy's heart. That's what I say for <laughs> Yes. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's one of the best things I've heard in as long as I can remember. Uh, my my favorite moment, it's kind of a tie, but I'm going to have to pick one because that's how this works. I really love that slow motion sort of chess game, slow motion Pac-Man thing of the walkers through the city streets, ending with pulling up parallel parking on the wall, blowing up the wall to then get in the catacombs or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That was really entertaining surprisingly like at that at that slow pace i just thought it was really cool i don't know i don't know how else to to talk about that other than it was just like interesting and suspenseful despite its slow pace you know but then i did really connect to even just dude people are gonna laugh at me but even being like a dog dad like my wife and i have for, for the first time we have a girl dog it's always been boys and like Everyone who has actual human children is just going to be like, dude, it's not the same. You're an idiot. But having a girl dog, I, I, I'm more protective of her, you know? And it just, it's this thing. So every time Omega has that, but I thought you would be proud of me, kind of like, I, I'm so sad that, that you're mad at me kind of moment. Charles is triggered. Dude, <laughs> God, it's so brutal. It's so, it, but it's so good. And this was another one. Like the very first one, I can't remember what episode, but she said, what did I do wrong? You know, it's, I, I think it's when he, Hunter was trying to leave her with Cut and his family. Yeah. And she was like, well, what did I do wrong? Oh my God. It destroyed me, dude. And I can only imagine Charles, like so brutal, but it just like, it took anything about like, who's this kid and just blew that away. It's like, no, I'm so invested in this character now. I'm so on board. This just reinforced it. So I think that's going to be my moment, the, the closing scene. I saw the funniest TikTok about Dave Filoni's tenure on Star Wars content, right? And it's like Dave Filoni pitching Clone Wars, right? And he's like, we're going we're gonna to have Anakin and he's going to have a Padawan and it's going to be like, you know, a family and they're figuring out how to be a family together, right? And then they're like, and then it's Dave Filoni pitching Rebels and, you know, it's going to be like this ragtag group that, you know, they become a family, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then Dave Filoni pitching um, The Mandalorian. Well, there's going to be this bounty hunter, right? And he's going to have a, a mark that he's got to go and get and they're going to, you know, become a family and <laughs> Bad Batch, right? And same thing. Yeah, and and, and like, so on. But Star Wars, you know, as we've all seen the clip, I'm sure, of, of Dave Filoni talking about what Star Wars is to him and what George Lucas yeah. taught him Star Wars is. And, like, it works, right? Like, whether you have kids or you're a pet parent or you know, all of us came from somewhere, right? Like, that thing speaks to you so strongly. And, yeah, ugh, like... Bad Batch just nailed it. I, I can't help but I was thinking about like how it's just, it's a uh, three men and a baby, but, <laughs> yeah, and they become but, a family. Yeah, but they become a family <laughs> um, with Star Wars stakes, and it's like okay, cool, yeah, like I get it. I'll watch that. It's great. Yeah, good stuff. Favorite quotes? Do you guys have favorite quotes? We pulled the patrons, so you can reference that. It's not the most quote rich episode. It's almost like the quotes are just moments. Same kind of thing as, as last week. Pulling from the poll, I would have to go with just straight Carla from Cheers moment. <laughs> yeah. I've got news for you, kid. Life ain't fair. You don't like it. Stop pouting and do something about it. Yep. That's going to be mine. 
I really liked the Echo and Tech exchange when they were tra- uh, transmitting the codes, right? Yeah. It was just that back and forth of like, well, the codes worked. You know, it's all good, right? And he's like, no, uh, I still don't trust them. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was that was a fun little exchange. Oh, that's on the list there. So, yeah, that that's probably mine. I think this is a moment, but it's also, it's in the quotes that we put in the poll. When Hunter said, you and Omega go around, you know, or loop around, whatever. And Tech was like, uh, that would be impossible seeing as Omega's not on this mission. It's just, again, I, th- I think it's such a cooler way to illustrate her position in the crew versus just doing it as straight, just like dumb exposition. So I love that moment. That's my favorite quote, quote. I think the other one, if I had to like choose another one, it would be the, uh, at the end, the exchange between Hunter and Omega, mm-hmm. right? Where, when, when he's like, are you ready? And she's like, are you? Yeah. She's, she's coming out of her shell, right? Like the lessons that she learned yeah. from Sid and that independence that she, that she gained, right? And that sense of, uh, of self, self-worth. Yeah. Like it's showing now. She's like, are you ready, dad? Like, are you ready, old man? Like, yeah. I've been saying this the past several episodes. She, there's like a little sprinkle of like John Connor and the Terminator with her and especially Wrecker. Just that like that attitude, the kid on the dirt bike in the, uh, <laughs> In the viaduct, you know, the like pulling the keys off the thing. Are we learning yet? You know, Mm -hmm. easy money, like all that shit. She's got a little bit of that and I love it. All right. Let's see what the patrons thought. Favorite scenes. The five nominees are the following. Nominee number one, Senator Singh betrays the empire during his speech and does not willingly surrender Raxus. Nominee number two. Omega negotiates a higher cut of her Dejaric winnings with Sid. Nominee number three, the Bad Batch, Commandeer and ATTE, and Wrecker tosses out the stunned clone troopers. <laughs> that was tight. We didn't even so, mention that. they're dead. Those guys are dead. Like, yeah. Stunned, but then, yeah, your corpse gets tossed. <laughs> he says, they're going to feel that tomorrow or something or in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's like, he- no, dude, they're dead or paralyzed. I mean, best case scenario. Yeah, they landed on their heads or whatever. Quadriplegic, yeah. best case. Worst case, dead. Because <laughs> their lifeless, stunned bodies are just being thrown from a moving vehicle that's like 40 <laughs> feet in the air. They're dead. Yeah. So we did still get a little murder death kill. Because see, this this show is been pretty heavy-handed with the murder death killing for star wars you know there's been a lot of just like bam you're dead bam you're dead actually dead civilian you're dead but it's been light on murder on the bad batch side so but for the stun fest that this episode was let's all admit those guys are dead (laughs) i take it back that's my favorite scene fourth nominee senator singh has second thoughts about leaving raxus but echo talks him into leaving so that he can live to fight another day that's good stuff that was powerful Fifth and final nominee, Omega draws a crowd playing Dejaric and wins enough credits to pay the Bad Batch's debt. It's like the first time I went to Vegas. I went because my girlfriend at the time and I needed to buy a new couch. So I took $200 with me, blood money at the time, and no lie, I had a whole crowd of people standing behind me. It was the first time I went to Vegas. I was 21 years old. Lit. I won $5,000 playing blackjack what? my first time. You've got a nice couch. <laughs> 4800 I quit. Yeah, yeah my, my couch debt was, was settled. And, dude, I'm sure you left like, dude, I could do this every time. You're absolutely right. That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> yeah. I had a couple more good trips, but eventually it, it caught up with me and said, you know what? It's not how this works. Stop taking money out of the ATM. That's not how casinos work, man. <laughs> Stop taking yeah. the money out. Did you call one in hundred bets off? <laughs> <laughs> no, but there really, there really were like people for you know at different times. There were like people standing because I didn't really know what I was doing. I just you know I was just crushing it, like winning split aces like every time, like blackjacks on split aces like over and over again. It was crazy. It's crazy, dude. But anyways, carry on. Feeling the force, dude. Feeling the flow. Working it. You put the coin in, the machine goes up and down and around, circular, all things good. Thank the maker, Happy Gilmore podcast. Um, Tim Gorviet said, got to give it to Omega, hustling everybody in town, but shout out to Echo, setting aside his hatred for separatists to talk sense into the senator. Cool. Agreed. The winner with 28% of the vote, Omega negotiating uh, the higher cut of her Dejaric winnings with Sid. Second place was a three-way tie. 
So I'll just say the uh, the lowest voted was the Bad Batch commandeering the ATTE. The remainder, those those tied for second place. No love for the dead guys, man. No love for the dead guys. All right, favorite quotes. We have six nominees because I blew it. I just put them all out there. I'll read them, and then we're going to do some math here. First nominee, this is Tech, Sid, and Echo. Tech says, Raxus. That is the former center of the Separatist government. It has since become an imperial outpost. I'm not interested in a history lesson, goggles. Second nominee, Echo and Tech. Echo says, I can't believe we're helping a Separatist senator. Tech responds, So you have said, repeatedly. Third nominee, Echo, one of the Raxus troopers, and Tech. Echo says, Hunter, the client is a Separatist. How do we know this isn't a trap? Now are you convinced? No. Fourth nominee, Tech, Echo, and Hunter this time. I am simply stating that the codes did in fact work. The client being a separatist is not relevant. It is to me. Forget politics. We're here to do a job. Fifth nominee, this is from Sid. I've got news for you, kid. Life ain't fair. You don't like it? Stop pouting and do something about it. Sixth nominee, Hunter and Tech. The moment we mentioned earlier, Hunter says, I'll handle them. You and Omega loop back around. That would be impossible seeing as Omega is not on this mission. Ah, right. Kevin Koryanoff said, gotta go with Sid's life ain't fair quote. While having four dads that exude the air of, we can go handle anything, they fail to mention shit's always hard for a reason. And the reason they have to persevere is because they're always dealt the hand that isn't fair. I feel like it opens up Omega, Omega's mind, to think more freely without feelings clouding her vision. The winner with 44% of the vote, I'll handle them. You and Omega go around. Hunter not realizing that Omega is not with them. I like that. We're on the same page. Second place with 22% of the vote, Sid dropping the knowledge, dropping the real-life wisdom on the kid. I've got news for you, kid. Life ain't fair. You don't like it? Stop pouting and do something about it. That's that Carla wisdom right there from behind the bar. Good stuff. Thank you, patrons, for your, uh, your votes and your comments. We think you're cool people. On the scale of not cool to very cool, you score very highly. I've been drinking. Um... <laughs> Final thoughts. Anything other than this is awesome and we love the show? Uh, I think we're just getting into this home stretch here. It's been a minute since we've had, as we call them, like a monster of the week episode. So, I, you know, I wonder if we'll even get any more of those. I selfishly hope we don't. And I, yeah, I'm, I just, I'm ready. I'm ready for some, some serious reveals as far as what this is all about. Same. I'm, I'm really stoked to see what happens with, uh, oh my gosh, who's their, their buddy? Uh, Gary. No, not Gary. <laughs> Lance. The, uh, Ted? No. Uh, Brenda. <laughs> the other Bad Batch dude who fell off at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Crosshair. Oh, my, Crosshair. That's Crosshair's the, coming like, back. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, are we going to get a redemption arc? Yeah, it's this, <laughs> not this. I'm, I'm doing guns. <laughs> Crosshair. Um, uh, he's the shooter. Um I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see if he's going to get a redemption. To me, it's going to be telling what happens uh, at the end of this season on how long this runs, right? Do they leave Crosshair a bad guy? Um, mm-hmm. And I hope they do. Yeah. I want this to go for several, several seasons. Yo, when he was fully bandaged up and he was like all just enraged, like I forgot what he was saying, just like, ah, go get them, whatever the hell he was saying. It was so, guys, I saw say, like from the hospital bed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I hope he becomes like some scarred-faced villain that runs throughout this show as long as it runs, like Charles said. I I definitely, I I hope it's not one and done, you know? Yeah. Definitely hope there's no redemption. I'm not here for any of that. (laughs) Brian wants more pain and suffering and, you know. Throw more guys out of the ATEs. Yeah. Just toss them out. Take us to the deepest, darkest depths of humanity. That's what Ryan wants. Set to stun. Give me a break. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right, I suppose we should let you uh, go back to fathering since you're on East Coast time and it's They're late asleep. there. Sleep. <laughs> this is. Oh, all right. Now I go hang out with my wife. Well, weak ass <laughs> children sleeping. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, that that we'll go. You know, get some mommy and daddy time in. You know. Yeah, man. Before you go though, you want to tell the listeners what you're doing these days now that you're in a post Marvel life. Yeah, I'm still doing the same gig that I was last time. Uh, I'm uh, the lead writer for Mythical Games. We uh, we had a, a big showing at E3 this year on the on the heels of all the the crazy stuff happening with uh, NFTs, non fungible tokens. Yeah, we are working to do some cool stuff with NFTs and video games, and to create player owned economies uh, that allow you guys, you know, as you're grinding for stuff in Call of Duty or whatever it is, that you can buy and sell those things for real money. Uh, so when your you know grandparents said you couldn't make money being a video gamer, yeah. well now you really can. Uh, and our first game, Blanco's Block Party, is in early access right now. It's free to play, so get out there, play it, uh, stream it. If you do that, have a good time. I'm in all the time. That's what I'm up to, though. Sweet. Ryan Key, give us a quote of the week. Uh, I'm searching for quotes. The more episodes we do, the harder this becomes. But since Sid got a little love again this week on the pod, a quote from Rhea Perlman, who plays Sid. Everyone's surprised when they meet me. I guess it's because I've played tough cookies for so long. It's what I do best. I'm not sure I could pull off a genteel Southern Belle. Yeah, dude, she, like, the very first episode before, I, I think all of us, before we knew it was her, it was like, who is that voice? This is, yeah, I know this, you know? And then once you realize it or once you read it, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, this is good. I, I, I back this. She's just doing her, but it still works in Star Wars. I'm about it. Yeah. All right, um... Charles, tell the people where they can find you on social media, where they can find your work before we really get out of here. Yeah. So you can uh, check out the game uh, that I'm working on, Blanco's Block Party, at Blanco's.com. Um, and you can find me on all things social at CL Beecham. Follow me on Instagram if you want to see pictures of my kids doing bad shit. They're darn <laughs> cute. They are. And it's a defense mechanism because they're terrors. I love them, but they're, <laughs> they're terrors. That's children. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, man. <laughs> if you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. You can find more Star Wars content that's like this Star Wars content, but it's about uh, costuming and armor and all kinds of other good stuff. Armor Party Podcast is our sister podcast hosted by Mike from Hondo Supply at Armor Party Show on Instagram. It's a great podcast. I love it. He recently had, I think, the first guest who has actually worked on a Star Wars anything. A dude who worked on um, The Mandalorian actually did Bo-Katan's costume. Great episode. Speaking of uh, costumes and blouses, thankthemakermerch.com is where you can go to get all of our merch. A bunch of it designed by Mike because he's good at stuff. Get that three men and a baby. Or or would it be better, like Star Wars, more tangible if we made it like, if it said like three men and the child or something like that? I don't know. I don't know if people would get it, but... Well, I mean... It's got to happen either way. No one under, like, 41 years old is going to know what the hell it is regardless, so... How old do you think our audience is, bro? <laughs> 25 to whatever... Uh, we're not playing We're not playing to youngins here. It's going to be timely again soon. Zac Efron is doing the remake. There you go. So, yep. There you Zach go. Zac Attack. There you go. Perfect timing. We're ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> ThankTheMakerMerge.com uh, for that. Again, this continues to be a fact about our podcast. Half of the listeners are not subscribed. It seems like, despite our best efforts... It's the way of the world. It's just not going to change. But it should. Unless you press the subscribe button. It should. Unless you do that. Can you just, as the kids say, just smash that subscribe button? Be the spark that will ignite the fart that blows up the <laughs> empire or whatever. Do that. Press the button. Press the subscribe button. If you want to follow me on social media, and uh, I've decided that now my content because I don't ever post anything. All of the Star Wars memes that have cursing in them and all kinds of stuff that would prevent us from being on the Star Wars Celebration podcast panel, I post those on my own personal account. So if it says in it or something and it has to do with Star Wars, it's going on my stuff. If you want that, it's at Adam the Skull on all things. But saying and having it bleeped out by droids, we're hoping is enough to keep us on the panel. Totally acceptable. That and the all over your house. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Uh, my social media is at William Ryan Key. And speaking of that, I haven't really mentioned this on the show, but if you're looking for something new to do, I'm a Twitch partner now and I'm streaming pretty much full time. 
and I'm really excited about it. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are my days. It's twitch.tv slash William Ryan Key. And I am just live streaming music production. We have an incredible community already. The last couple of weeks have been massive. Last Monday, uh, I was in the, the front page carousel on Twitch and had somewhere between three and 4,000 viewers on my stream for like over an hour. It was absolutely wild. Uh, so people are interested in it and the community is growing. The chat is growing. Just today, my old pal Mike Shinoda from uh, the little band Lincoln Park came <laughs> by with all of his followers and hung out in the chat and, and they all stayed and hung and chatted with my fans. And it's just such a cool, positive space to chat with people and maybe learn a thing or two about music production as I, as I work. So uh, I'm making music that's going to be released. I, I'm not just kind of, you know, messing around and doing whatever. Everything I'm streaming is, is uh, I don't really know a better word than like functional. It's, it's music I'm going to be putting out to the world. So I'm working really hard on it and I would love for you to come and hang out in, in the chat and uh, say hello. It's a really good time and uh, definitely my favorite endeavor other than Thank the Maker, of course, that I have done in my post yellow card life. So twitch.tv slash William Ryan Key. If you're at work and you're bored, just open Twitch on your phone and you can listen to some new tunes that I'm making. It's a good time. Check it out. Everybody, thanks for listening. Charles, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Nick, we hope you're not dead, despite what I've said about you. <laughs> the very least, we hope he's coming back as a force ghost. Yeah, Mike says he's dead. The, every gesture that Mike's making says he's <laughs> dead. <laughs> Good sign language. Until next week, may the force be with you. My girlfriend's dead, you know. She fell off a cliff and died on impact.